Hey everybody, welcome to Low Code Approach. Uh, today we've got Mick Furlan with us, who's a senior product manager uh, working on Power Platform. Hey Mick, how you doing? Hey Sean, I'm doing very good. Yourself? I am doing well, thank you for asking. So we're really lucky to have you on the show. But before we begin, can you give us some background on your experience with security and governance and, and low code? For sure. So I've been working in low code for three years now, right as I completed my university over here in Montreal, Canada. And since starting at Microsoft and in low code, I've always been working with administrators and helping them with a bunch of features that help them manage the Power Platform. But I would say in the past year or two, my focus has shifted more on the uh, security and governance side of the house and thinking about what features we need to provide admins so they can feel safe about how to deploy this low code thing that we have called the Power Platform in the organization. Very cool. So just real quick, you, you mentioned uh, how to deploy. Um, I feel like there's there's more steps too that you, that you come into, not just the deployment, but the, the actual management, the ongoing management of the those those low code assets as, as organizations move forward. Mm-hmm. Are, is there a huge difference between the two from deployment to just you know, like overall maintenance and management? Well, there's so many components to the equation, right? I think uh, we are a whole army of people working on these these features. So I would say there's there's a component of just the deployment and there's a whole conversation around, let's say, ALM. Uh, that's one piece of the equation too. Uh, the piece of the equation that I'm most versed with is things that accrue to the security, right? So things that you would want to set up so that you feel that your makers are building in a safe way. Right. Mm-hmm. In a way that, you know, keeps your organization's data safe. And that's another piece of the equation. Very cool. So thank you for that. So what do you think the first thing that IT pros should know when they're working with low code? Like what's mm-hmm. what's what's like one of the main tools that they should have in their tool bag? I mean, I like to always keep things grounded on what are the things that you do have to care about when you are thinking about governing the power platform and the one thing that you always need to remember is that it's the security of your your data right that you should think about first and foremost um low code is just a way for people in your organization to do something with that data that previously couldn't be done before so you have the same data that you've had let's say 10 years ago but this time instead of having only 10 software engineers in your organization that can build some powerful apps or dashboards and things that now you've kind of opened it up to everyone who can build some powerful things on top of it. And the the common thread here is the data, right? And that's probably the thing that you should think most about when you're thinking about the governance of the, the power platform and just low code is what are the important pieces of data that I have, right? What is it with that data I want to build with on the power platform? And over the future, then you start thinking about, you know, which components of our toolbox you'll have to to use so that you can feel good about it. So to feel good about it, like as we're working with data, either first party or third party mm-hmm. data, and we want to integrate that into our solutions, like what tools do we have to govern the, these connections to, to, to different yeah. data points? For that, we just need to think about how does, with the power platform, right? How does data enter the system? And how does data move through the system 
And at least in a power platform world, that's done with connectors. So let's say if you are building an app, you are building a flow or you're building a chatbot, it's through connectors that these assets communicate, not just with the outside world, but also with data sources that you might have internally in your organization, other services that perhaps your professional developers have built. It's it's these connectors that give the the connectivity to your low-code resources. And it's really through those that data is flowing through. So for example, you can have a Canvas app that is connected to a SharePoint site, right? And some of that information is bubbling up in the Canvas app and you can do a few things with that data. To that effect, probably the first thing that administrators tend to use when they get started on the Power Platform is to use what we call data loss prevention policies. And these special policies, they just dictate what connectors are available to your makers, right? And how they can use their connectors when they're building things with low code. So, so you raise up a good point. Like admins have the ability to place these guardrails on the, the data connectivity. So like, how, how how are these tools actually used? How do they do this? Yeah, you, you mentioned a good point. There's the theory and there's the real life scenario. So of course, the theory is that all of these guardrails are put into place from day zero. And from that point forward, people are always building within these parameters, right? But the reality is that, and even for those probably listening to this podcast right now, it is very likely that there is already some form of adoption of Power Platform right now, because you can so easily build things right from the SharePoint client, for example, that are low code. So from SharePoint lists, you can create some flows, for example. So in all likelihood, there are already people within your organization that are building things. So you will very much be in a position where there's some existing things that you need to take account for when setting up those guardrails. So it's both a it's both a proactive and a reactive type of approach, I would say. And it doesn't it doesn't make it easier, I would say, for the administrators. But you know, part of where the the Power Platform team is thinking about these days is how to make that process a little bit easier because of that reality, which just keeps coming back. Yeah, it seems like, you know, as as more solutions are built in organizations, uh, more data policies are probably going to be created, too, to help manage that. So visibility has got to be crucial. Like, mm-hmm. how does an admin have visibility into um, not only the number of data policies that are created, but the scope of these data policies? And, and I think maybe I'll circle back, not even circle back, I'll take one step back. Can you place scoping on these data policies to particular environments or how how does that work? Yeah, you mentioned a few key things that I really want to emphasize on, but just to answer your question, these data policies that we just introduced, you have all the flexibility you need. You can set some across the whole tenant. So any low code building is done in compliance with that policy. You can set them up for specific pockets of your organization. So have them apply that specific environments, or you can even apply it to just a single one, right? So you you have the full breadth of scoping that's available. But one thing you said that I do want to highlight is the notion of visibility. And it doesn't just apply to data loss prevention policies. Anything that you configure as an administrator, it is important to 
make it an informed decision, right? It's important to understand beforehand, before setting up whatever control it may be, how are people within your organization building with the Power Platform? So to take the context of DLP, for example, if I do want to take a connector and maybe classify it a certain way, put it into a certain bucket within the data policies, understanding how makers are using that connector today is important because you don't want to necessarily put in place a, a certain controller guardrail and then you find out that you've just broken a few applications or flows or things that were already running in your organization. And that's part of the true reality that we alluded to before is that this thing of low code is is very effervescent. Um, so it's important to kind of get an assessment of the landscape before going all in and setting up these controls. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. I think, um, you know, ha having that defined uh, environment strategy is, is crucial. Mm -hmm. Is there, is, I think, you know, I, I've gone through um, PPAC or the Power Platform Admin Center uh, where you'd apply these data policies. And I think some of the cool features in there is how granular you can get. I mean, maybe like at first glance, you'll see there'll be um, blocked business and non-business and, and how mm -hmm. you can uh, manage how uh, different connectors can talk to each other through the solutions that you're building. But can you go into a little bit of detail about the additional granularity that, that makers have available to them? Of course. I'm very happy we're talking about this because it is a it could turn out to be a very productive capability for a lot of the admins or even customers tuning in. Going back to the topic of connectors, right? If there is a given connector that has even the smallest piece of it that is worrisome from, let's say, a security perspective. Two years ago, the only option that you had was to fully block that connector, right? Nobody can do anything with it. And what we are providing is two features, one which is called the connector action control, and the second is the connector endpoint filtering, which let administrators say, okay, this connector, I could make it available to my makers, but I only want them to use specific operations on that connector, or I only want them to connect to specific endpoints with that connector. So that way it, it changes the game where you don't have to necessarily always overly block things, but deploy more of the power platform in a controlled manner. And I think that's really the key point here is that it's important as an administrator or whoever is setting up these controls to think about the return on investment with the power platform. If the approach is to overly block things, right? And let's say overly block connectors, then what's gonna happen is that your makers, they won't have as many building blocks as they might need to do something interesting with the power platform. So to leverage these granular controls, so the connector action control and the connector endpoint filtering so that you can make things available in a at a higher rate in a controlled manner will help your makers probably achieve some outcomes that you would not have expected otherwise. No, that's fantastic. I think mm -hmm. the, the, I know I've said this before, but the granularity that admins have available to them um, 
to empower those makers to, to build solutions that fit within the governance guidelines yeah. uh, set by the companies. It's, just, it's amazing. I, there's been times where I've had to block uh, connectors, build uh, my own open API custom connector mm -hmm. and strip out, you know, the majority of the controls uh, from it and, and just allow it to be that one. Yeah. So it's super interesting. Now, like we've, we've talked a lot about connectors and uh, thinking data first. Let's actually bubble up to solutions now. And I want to get your thoughts on um, not just sharing of data, but sharing of apps, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and so like, let's take that one step further. How does an admin, how does an admin reign in control of app sharing in their environment? It is super scary uh, deploying apps and not like going through a vetting process. And uh, mm -hmm. like what tools do admins have at their disposal to, to govern that? Yeah, for sure. So the data policies is one piece of the equation where it really has to do with the the building process, right? You have an app or a flow, you want to build it, you want to add connectors to it. So it's very much in that building process. The sharing that you talked about not necessarily comes later, but it's it's another piece of the workflow where now it's time to add some collaboration. You want to share it with folks and they want to help you out on it, or they might want to test the app and what we call sharing limits. And it's something that we've introduced and it's something we, we've heard loud and clear with customers, especially in places like the default environment, where not only is there a, a high rate of, let's say, apps and flows and chatbots that are being built, but also that are being shared left, right, front and center. And there are ways that you can include what we call these sharing limits so that you can put some sort of governance around how people can share assets within your organization. So for example, you might not want makers to share a given app in an environment to everybody in the organization, right? Uh, so that's the kind of thing that you could also control with the sharing limits that we have provided today. And is definitely something that could alleviate some of the concern, or especially around the default environment where it's such a net for pheasant place where a lot of app and flows get built. Yeah, no, that, yeah, the the default environment is, uh, like you said, uh, something that we've heard loud and clear from customers that they want better security and governance around um, for for app sharing. And I know that um, the Power Platform team is is putting in some incredible new security and governance features uh on there and so I, we're coming up towards the end and and i would love to have you back and already talk more oh my about god because <laughs> i know right it moves it flies um but so just could you give me some great parting words for admins that may be curious about how can they um employ some of these new topics that we talked about, or, or maybe dig deeper into what we have. I know we've got some learning assets out there, uh, mm -hmm. but what do you recommend as some good strategies for either getting started or continuing that education? Yeah, I would say probably the, the parting word that I wanna share with everyone is to not get stuck into the analysis paralysis for the power platform, most of our governance control, you always have the flexibility to start large right and set up a control for the entire tenant but you have the flexibility to narrow down all the way to to a single environment or app and flow so you have such a flexibility in terms of the breadth of the controls you have and even the specificities of what you you control or not and i would say 
just getting started and setting up a minimum threshold of controls and guardrails within the organization is always a good place to start. And just to use DLP as an example, like if you get started with having a single data policy that's just applied to the whole tenant with just a few connectors that you might have put in business and non-business, like that's already a good start, right? You don't have to necessarily nail down the whole strategy to the wire of what specific actions you're going to use for this and that and endpoints. And it could easily get very difficult. So I would say, you know, just getting started with a minimum level of governance with these controls is is a good way to test the waters. And it's a it's a virtuous process. You're going to do some things right. You'll get feedback from your makers that are building that they might need more. They might need less and you'll iterate from then on, right? But the important thing is to just get started, right? Especially as a lot of folks perhaps tuning in within their organization, maybe they're just getting started with the Power Platform. So it's better to just get started early with these governance topics than too late. That is, yeah, the analysis paralysis is very true, especially when you open up PPAC and, and you're just like, well, what next? And I think that's a great mm-hmm. point is, is to start. It's almost the same thing when building solutions. Don't don't build something huge first. Start small, understand what you're working with and, and yep. go from there. Start with a prototype. Like, yeah. you know, build build your Canvas app with the SharePoint list as the data source just to see how it looks like. But at some point when that app graduates and it's ready for prime time, you want to use it across the organization, then it might be a good idea to put that data in Dataverse, you know? So it's the same kind of example there where, you know, just getting started with something is is a good way to feel comfortable about the approach. And it's the best way to know if you're doing things right. That is awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mick. I really appreciate your time on this. It's been a blast having you and such great information that I think people should um definitely put into practice and you know we'd love to point to additional resources on it so um once again love to have you back on the show we talk more about sharing is caring with apps and and data (laughs) um, and and building out uh great solutions so once again thank you so much Mick. really appreciate it it's been a pleasure thank you